Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Welcome to the podcast. Right here in Greater Atlanta. Here's a little tale about hard to recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Plastics can be so much more. Give this trash the second chance it was hoping. Greater Atlanta's hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Footy Podcast. As we look forward to Bonfire Night, will there be fireworks in the Premier League this weekend? There certainly won't be in the studio as we are all recording from home tonight. Deja vu, anyone? Lots to get into this week, so let's get straight into it. This is the Fantasy Footy Podcast. Hello, everyone. Hello, Sash. Hello. How are we all doing? Sasha. We okay? Yeah, so we are doing this from home, not because Sasha did make us all ill. It wasn't... It wasn't <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> it wasn't the lurg going round. No, good point. Good point. No, we are just recording from home because we couldn't access the top secret location that we normally record this in. Harry's basement. And Harry's back at the donkey sanctuary. He just loved it so much the first time. He had to go back and say hi to his yes. pals. He's got a job there, I think. He's got a big nativity planned and he just needed some extras. How are you, Sash? I'll tell you what, I had a small win today. Actually, it, it was a small win, but it also wasn't a small win because it actually ended up costing me more money. Oh. But um, because I had such a bad cold, I had a really bad sinus infection, just for everyone. Just lovely little um, image there. And I thought I needed a filling in my teeth because they hurt so much. So I went to the dentist today convinced that I needed a filling. They were like, you don't need a filling. Your teeth are absolutely fine. They're fab. However, you grind your teeth so badly. And I know I do this because I wake up at night grinding my teeth and I catch myself like grinding my teeth. I can hear myself do it. It's it's really bad. They were like, you just need a gum shield. So I thought, okay, yeah, fine. I'll I'll have a gum shield. (laughs) Thinking like, how expensive can a gum shield be? Oh, yeah. £160 for a... It's not even a gum shield. It's like a retainer. That, she said that I aggressively grind my teeth so badly (laughs) that I could probably just grind through. I'm an aggressive grinder. Good Lord. Yeah. £160. And then she told me that I might need my wisdom tooth out, which I don't. It's fine. I'm just going to leave it there. £400. Yowza. So, So where's this win? I'm not hearing. Well, any the win wins. is that I didn't have a filling. Oh right, ah. and that my teeth are actually fine. Right, but the filling only costs 115 pounds, and the did you not think retainer about... or whatever it is costs 160. Did you not think about going to like Sports Direct and getting a little two pound one, a little gum shield? Yeah. Might just tell a 
my partner were doing some sort of weird role play. Anyway, right, let's move <laughs> <Okay>. on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sash, you know, you know the thing is, the thing is about 160 pounds for uh, for a gum shield is that actually they're so sexy um, that I really think <laughs> your partner might think it's worth the money. And uh, talking of aggressive grinder, I was in Soho last night oh. and um, I went to watch The Shining in a retro cinema. And of course, you did. I queued Very for the cinema. I know. Thanks. Uh, yeah, well, like 200 people. It was almost like. Back to the early 90s when you used to queue for the cinema. I loved it. Nice. Um, but yeah, that's my Sorry, you uh, were, you were when you said, when I used, when you used to queue for the cinema in the early 90s. Mm, I did. I was, only, I was born in the early 90s, so yeah, I wasn't yeah, I, I was born in 87. So uh, yeah, I, I just remember, <laughs> I remember, I remember queuing, I remember queuing for the secret garden. I remember queuing for Free Willy. But I can Fantastic. talk about Free Willy in the flopper section, can't I, to be fair? Um, Jono, how are you? You all right? I'm good. We we won again at hockey on Saturday. Fantastic. 2-1 down at half time. End up pulling oh. it back. Won 5-4. Wait, hang on. Is I your manager wow. only going to Solskjaer? Because yeah, I know. That's a, that's a good comeback. I got, I got someone sent off because they squared up to me because I was giving them way too much Oh, and you said chat. they were being a horrible, nasty boy and you wanted him gone. <laughs> No one messes yeah. with FBL Droog. I wound no. up silly. Um, so yeah, it was a good day. He knew day. that you held some gravitas. You've got 82 followers. Yeah. He and they're going to come at him if he wanted to go. <laughs> Incredible. Right. Well, let's have a look then at the week that was. Um, and it still kind of is because we are recording this just before the final fixture of Game Week 10, Wolves versus Everton. Who were the top scorers, please, gentlemen? Okay, so, so far, Sash, it's that man again, Reese James. The Blues defenders are just, they're just loving life at both ends of the pitch at the moment. And for the second time so far this season, the young Chelsea right back absolutely smashed it, Sash. Literally and metaphorically, two cracking finishes off either <laughs> foot versus Newcastle, a clean sheet, and all the bonus points ensured that he probably takes the crown this game week unless Huang or Jimenez or Townsend does something magical on MNF. Um, oh, oh does he agree with what Phil's saying or does he disagree, Jono? I think he's excited on behalf of his owner. Uh, it does seem apt, of course, that Reese James did it at St. James's Park. Uh, 21 points means also he's now the fifth highest scoring FBL player in the game and currently the best value player in the entire game, averaging 9.8 points per million pounds. Worcester on Thames. That is good. Jono, do you have him in your team, by the way? Have I not mentioned that before? No, um, no, no, you yeah, haven't uh, at all. No, no, no. Okay, um, cool, I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet about Reese James. He says, he shoots like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I think it's... <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Powerful AF. In, uh, okay. Yeah, he is. Robust, um, but very good with his feet. Right. Uh, apart from your dog um, crashing the recession. Recession? <laughs> <laughs> Recording? <laughs> Any surprise packages, Jono? Um, well, there was a bit of a battle of the complete central midfielders this weekend. Conor Gallagher and um, Phil's Bay, Declan Rice, both scored 13 points. Both got a goal and an assist. Um, you know, you've got Declan Rice, who on one side of London is kind of putting himself out there as someone that I think could be put in every single team in the Premier League. 
And then you've got Conor Gallagher, who is just like this weird Frank Lampard meets Yaya Torre combination clone thing going on. And both of them are just really exciting to watch. But I'm not going to give it to them. I'm going to give it to someone who only has 1.3% ownership. He got a goal, a clean sheet, and all three bonus points. And that was the Gunners centre-back. Gabriel, who, um, yeah, he got 15 points and it was a lovely old performance against Le- Leicester and really um, pooped on the Vardy party and for all of Vardy's owners. So fair play all round. Phil, yes. what about your big flopper? Well, I'm very happy to tell everyone and to reveal to you, Sasha, this week, it's not a Man United player. There's none even in consideration. There was me thinking we'd have another horror show on Halloween weekend. But no, United beat Spurs and Nuno got fired. Whoop, whoop. Um, So where do we go instead (laughs) to find my flopper? Uh, Well, Mason Mount went from 24 points to zero, but seems he's injured. So that's a tad unfair. As John just said, Jamie Vardy had another party where, well, no one turned up. Um, But for me, it's probably got to be Mikhail Antonio. The big man has been electric so far in FPL for his 48% plus managers, but only two points versus Villa as the Hammers hit four and he hasn't hit a double-digit haul for seven game weeks now. With West Ham's fixtures getting tougher and tougher over the next few weeks, it might be hard to keep this flopper in. <coughs> Your team. Hello. <laughs> I'm have to thumb it in. Still 58 oh. points so far. He ain't, he ain't done too bad. To be honest, has the uh, ex-Tooting and Mitchum right wing back. But uh, Mikhail, sorry, mate. I do love you. Producer Tom doesn't. I do. But yeah, you're my flop this week. Bony by a nudge. Well, as long as you keep your flopper in, eh, Phil? Let's have a look then at Big Shouts, everyone's least favourite segment. Uh, who is going to start with Harry's, please? Who's going to fill in for Harry? I'd quite enjoy to tell oh. you all that um, Harry's big shout didn't even play. So didn't even get a minute, <laughs> not a second. Um, he put is his note, Jesus Christ. And I can really hear him saying that. Uh, Joe mm. Gelhart and yeah, sweet nada. God knows what he was thinking. The man's played about three minutes. Don't know why he thought he was suddenly going to start, but there we go. Jono, we'll stay with you then. What yeah. about your big shout? Well, my Leeds attacker did start and he did score. Um, I went with Rodrigo. He got a goal. Um, sadly, he got a yellow card, which took a point away. And, and I think he might have got a few more bonus points if he hadn't had that. But he did get one bonus point, which finished. Uh, so he left. Oh, he finished on six points. That's not bad. It's a return, Sash. It's a return. Phil, mm. what about you? Can you do any better than that? Yeah. No, and it annoys me because Tim Crawl should have saved that. But hey ho, football can be cruel. Uh, Curtis Jones, Liverpool didn't steamroll Brighton like many thought they would. Curtis Jones played 86 minutes. He looked all right. But yeah, only two points for Curtis. So uh, thank you. Next. Right. Well, it's time that we take a look at the Listeners League. Who is filling in for Harry this week and reporting back to us what our wonderful little league is doing? (laughs) Phil? Uh, Yeah, okay, I'll step in. Uh, So the game week is still ongoing. So uh, unlike my flopper, we can't reveal the winner of the October Manager of the Month competition just yet. You'll just have to watch our socials for that one. But the current top scorer for the game week is George Will's team. 100% my team on paper with a quite frankly 
disgusting 91 points. Jono was showing off about being in the top like 10,000 or something. But that is, yeah, that is awesome. Uh, so, yeah, unless Andros Townsend uh, bags a hattie for Johnny Davis, our man JD, which is currently looking unlikely given the run Everton are on. Looks like George takes the crown this week. Anyway, if you fancy giving yourself a chance of a shout out, then you'll need to join our listeners league. And the code to do that is Otcune, O-T-C-U-N-E. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Hot, hot topics. topics. Let's have a look then at the hot topics for this game week. So, Wing Wizards are back in fashion. Rafinha, Zaha, and Ben Rama all did bits last weekend, all got plenty of tricks, but getting good returns too. Is there a proper place in your team for Mavericks like this trio? Jono, what do you think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got Rafinha and he finally rewarded us managers. Um, Leeds had that really nice run of games and he only he, he always looked really promising, created a lot of chances. Uh, you know, most touches of the ball by any Leeds player pretty much every game because he's just so electric. Um, he finally got his goal this week, which was great. Zaha doing Zaha things where he puts in a really promising electric performance just before Palace have this brilliant run of fixtures that look tasty AF only to then flop City and just get like zero points, get negative three points every week afterwards. And then Ben Rama came back to haunt all of the old managers that sold him. Um, he'd been blanking left, right and centre and came back with, um, you know, a nice assist for the West Ham. Uh, West Ham, for me, don't have very nice fixtures. Um, I don't know if we're going to talk about this later, but Ben Rama and Antonio would be would be high on my list for a sell if I were to transfer out this week. Um, Antonio, his two chances... Sorry, he was the sort of the assister of the assister twice in their game yesterday, uh, making it very unfortunate mm-hmm. for pretty much half of all FPL players. And Ben Rama as well. Yeah, I think I think it, it could be time to move away from the West Ham uh, forward line anyway. I think defensively they look great, but I'm not sure about going forward. Uh, there are a few differentials, though, we m- might talk about later. Zaha, what do you think of Zaha, Phil? I mean, we mention him every year because he is an electric player and he's clearly a very talented player. And Palace are playing so differently than they were last season. In yeah. fact, I've actually got a few stats about Palace. Yeah. Um, where is it? Where is it? Yeah, so mm-hmm. last season, they had an XG per game of 0.9. This season, they're at 1.2. That is an increase of a third. And their defence is so much stronger as well. If you look back at that graph that I talked about earlier in the season, they mm-hmm. their away form especially was so poor in terms of conceding goals. Last season, they had um, an XG against... So that's expected goals against per game of 1.6. Now they're only at 1.1. That's a massive decrease and a really good looking uh, stat for Palace. So what do you reckon? What do you think about Zaha? 
Yeah, I mean, we say we always talk about Zahar and he always seems to play well, you know, on the approach to transfer windows and people are a bit cynical about how much his heart is really in kind of playing for Palace. But I think Patrick Vieira has got them playing in such a lovely way. Um, like you just said, they're just markedly different in the way they're playing. And yeah, they've got two good defenders there in uh, Anderson and Gay uh, at the centre of their defence. And then, yeah, moving forward, obviously Christian Benteke, we've mentioned him. He's kind of banging around. He's got 28 FPL points. But Gallagher and Zahar now have got 91 FPL points between them. Zahar's only 5.9% owned. And I think especially away from home, as he showed against City, he is electric, especially in those moments where they stretch defences because he's just so quick. I've seen him live a few times, Zahar. And he's very, very rangy as well. He's got a big old gallop on him. He's tall, he's strong. And their next few fixtures, home against Wolves, away against Burnley, home against Villa, away mm. against Leeds. So those next four fixtures look very, very appealing. And I think from a differential perspective, then yeah, Wilf and Connor, who looks they say, like a Cornish surfer dude or something. Um, yeah, I think they're really interesting picks uh, for FBL. So keep an eye on Palace because, yeah, Patrick Vieira is doing very well right now. What's really nice about these midfielders as well is because they're all such a similar price range, it's so moved, it's so easy to move between them all. And so you really Mm. can just pick like two or three fixtures, like just pick little green patches on the FDR list and then move to the other rather than having to be a choose and snooze. Yeah. Let's have a quick chat then about Arsenal again. So you've got Ramsdale, ESR... Gabriel, three great value players in top form for a young, exciting side. Is there sustained value to get out of the Gunners, do you think? Jono, we'll come to you first. Um, I mean, so I brought in Ramsdale this week and it couldn't have gone better. I had Raya, who uh, was injured. So it was it was a forced transfer, but one that really paid off, thankfully. Um, and they look really sound. Uh, you know, yes, Ramsdale did have to pull off some fantastic saves in order for them to keep that clean sheet. But keep it, they did. And, you know, I think they're a really impressive outfit now. I don't know, you know, if you watch Match of the Day, but they were absolutely, I mean, they couldn't have been praising the the Arsenal side enough. I think Aubameyang is another asset that we could probably be looking at again. Um, Mm -hmm. He's found some form. ESR, as you mentioned, I know, Phil, you love a bit of ESR. I have Saka as well. Again, Saka, he just, he never hauls Saka, but he, he is pretty good at just getting those little six pointers, seven pointers. And when you're around that six mil mark, it's not, it's just, it's just nice to, they just rally up. Um, so yeah, and what would we say that their fixtures looking like? Are they looking tasty? Um, Oh no. Yeah, well, the next, the next four fixtures are funny because they got Watford at home and Newcastle at home, but then Liverpool and United away. Um, but, I just think, yeah, the, the way they're going now, I think the pressure's off Arteta because of what's been happening at Spurs and United. So big teams kind of around them have got kind of more problems than them. Um, they're playing with that exuberance of youth. And yeah, I mean, Ramsdale has been renamed this week, Sash, as the Stoke-on-Trent Schmeichel is his new name. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, they've got some some lovely appealing kind of prices. Aubameyang's 10 million, but only 5.2% owned. Smith Rowe, who's kind of doing things week in, week out now, as John had said. I mean, the last few weeks he's got, well, the last two weeks he's got 22 points and he's still only 5.6 mil. And we said, I think it was last year or even this year, about with squad numbers. So when Smith Rowe got the number 10, when Saka got the number seven, that was Arsenal saying, you're going to play pretty much every week because we trust you, even though you're young. Uh, here's a very good squad number. You're going to be in our first 11. And that's what's happening every week now. 
and you know Gabrielle's only 23 so I think there could be something in this with Arsenal I'm not saying they've turned a, a, a huge corner and they're going to be challenging for the title but they should be pushing for that number four spot and yeah in terms of FPL I think there's some really interesting options I actually like Tomiyasu every time I see him play uh, the right back and he's only 4.6 mil yeah I just he's not very good going forward I don't think I think he's a fantastic defensive asset I don't know how good his distribution mm. is in terms of crosses and stuff but another thing about Arsenal they haven't got any Europa League games to worry about they haven't got to worry so you've got less chance of injury you've got less chance of rotation they're going to want to tr- keep fielding their strongest 11 right. 12 13 players so I think those assets are more nailed on as long as they keep uh, continuing to play well yeah. Finally, then, what about Spurs? Nuno gone, Conte in. If this happens in the next couple of days, do Spurs assets become tasty once again? Phil, what do you think? Well, Spurs are full of players with proper FPL pedigree. We seem to talk about them every week. Harry Kane, England captain, of course. Son, Reguillon, uh, you know, lovely little left back, Spanish fella. Um, and then, of course, you've got people like Matt Doherty, who were brilliant for Wolves two years ago and been pretty toilet ever since he's been <clears throat> at the Spurs stadium. But if Conte does come in, which it looks like he will on an 18-month contract, then expect Spurs' formation to change. Expect players to get t- uh, time who didn't before, including people like <clears throat> Doherty and Reguillon. They'll probably go to five at the back. Um, will Deli Ali come back into consideration? Maybe. But one thing's for certain, I think, if Conte comes in and signs that bit of paper, which looks like he's going to, then Son and Kane will pop at some point. They're just too good to ignore forever. And yes, they really have had a Western Super in the last, what, 10 weeks, really. They've played played 10, won five, lost five. Um, but, you know, in terms of fixtures coming up, uh, Spurs have got Everton away. And then, look at this, Leeds at home, Burnley away, Brentford at home, Norwich at home, Brighton away. So after this weekend, Everton, I mean, haven't been in great form recently. There's five fixtures there that Antonio Conte, Premier League winner, of course, don't forget. um, He made Victor Moses a lot of the best right back in the world. So anything's possible. So yeah, keep an eye on that because Spurs could be uh, coming back in FPL and in the Premier League. John, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to be so nice to have some new assets to give it our own again, especially in those wing backs. Um, it'll be a very different system to what they've been playing. We've really, you know, when Doherty moved to Spurs, he does not suit a right back position, hence why he barely plays mm. a right wing back. However, we could be looking at another Victor Moses, which is going to be so exciting for FPL players. It's nice to spread out ownership and whatnot, so we haven't got all the same back line. Um, also, I think it's worth mentioning how effective the centre forward position was under Conte at Chelsea you know yes it was Diego Costa who was at that time kind of unplayable but we all know that Harry Kane could be unplayable and I think hopefully the system will benefit him I think it'll stop him having to drop really deep and try and do that quarterback thing I think he will be the man in the box getting the tap-ins just being in the right position all the time those wing backs will be feeding in crosses left right and centre and I think Harry Kane will come good I will not bring him in this week I think it's too soon but after the international break is certainly something worth considering. Let's have a look at the burning questions then for game week 11. First up, Man United versus Man City at Old Trafford. Phil, you're actually going up there, aren't you? 
I am, yeah, for a proper eye test uh, on all available assets in FPL. And uh, thank you, producer Tom, for sending me those tickets. Late birthday present, apparently. So uh, cheers there, Tom. Oh, you're right. Sorry? Tom's yeah. bought you tickets to go see United City? Well, he owed me 14 quid because I sent those mugs to a few winners of some things for the pod. And, no, uh, I'm not having this. I think it's I am fair. a loyal panellist. He wouldn't even buy me an MK Don's ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is for the pod, all right? And, you know, City had a bad week last week. I don't know how bad it really was if, if Laporte stayed on the pitch. Um, but they lost 2-0 at home. United won 3-0 away. And suddenly, Bruno Fernandes is assisting again. Suddenly, Cristiano Ronaldo is scoring volleys like Van Persie again. Uh, Cavani is, is a real sleeping giant, really, in terms of FPL and real footballing things. So, you know, Harry's annoyed at Mason Greenwood. I don't think he'll play now if United are going to stick with that five at the back thing. But then City, yeah, I mean, Jesus had a disallowed goal, which is unlucky. Uh, Foden looked busy, but didn't really, nothing came off for him. So this could be a real ding-dong battle. I think there'll be goals. Um, see what Jono thinks, but I'm not sure you should really hang your hat on any defenders from either side. Um, City might be too good, who knows? But obviously, I'm slightly biased. I, I feel that maybe United get a score draw here. But uh, yeah, I think it's great uh, just for the game that Ronaldo and Bruno are potentially back in form with this new system. So uh, yeah, be good to watch. Um, I'm curious about that five at the back for United. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know that I have a serious vendetta against Luke Shaw and his absolute phoniness <laughs> as a <FNL laughs> asset. Um, but do you think he could be... LCB and have tellers. Yeah, I think, um, well, Lindelof's not travelled from the Champions League, so I believe, uh, you know, potentially he's injured. So yeah, tellers, tellers might come in. I mean, if I was Ollie, I'd, I'd, Shaw's quicker than tellers. So I'd always mm-hmm. play Shaw wider because he can get up and down the pitch better. And uh, tellers, yeah, he's got a lovely left foot. But yeah, we'll see uh, whether United will keep that. That formation against the champions, not sure, but it obviously just it was so much better against Spurs. But then Spurs were teetering on the edge of losing their manager and and whatever, so it could have been a dangerous, misleading cocktail of things. Uh, but yeah, sure, again, look bright. Um, Tomane had a very good game, and uh, I think yeah, positives for United, and I say especially for those premium assets in, in Bruno and Cristiano. Jono, I want to come to you then. Um, I assume. Producer Tom hasn't bought you tickets for this. It's Chelsea at home versus Burnley. Um, No. And I will be writing a strongly worded email to producer Tom about such I love how you were about to say letter. Yeah, I was about to say letter. And then you're like, no, I'm 21st century. It's an email. It can just. I feel like you might be able to feel more venom in, in my terrible handwriting. <laughs> but there notes. we go. Um, anyway, look, yeah. who should we consider for this fixture? Um, I think Kai Havertz can still have a, a place in your team. It wouldn't be a sell <laughs> against Burnley. Um, I, I, I have a feeling Phil might disagree there, being though he's not exactly exactly lit his team on fire. But there we go. Um, James, I, I don't see how you drop James after that performance. Um, there are words, however, that Chilwell will be starting in the Champions League game against Malmo, which then you do the whole Chilwell-Alonso headache yet, yet again. Oh, um, God. Aspi still obviously has that shoulder niggle. Um, whether that means he's still out, who knows? Or we could have an Aspi start, James to come in the 60th minute, which is always the killer. Um, but, you know, James had four shots, three on target. 
You had uh, Chile creating two chances. You had Ziek with five shots, one shot on target. He was, you know, a whisker away on multiple occasions. Whether he keeps his place, I don't know. Pulisic is now back in contention. He's travelled to Malmo. Um, so again, it's the, it's the big old headache for um, Bruce Tuchel and his carousel and his tombola, all of those things. Um, I really like Callum Hudson-Odoi as a differential, especially whilst Werner is out. Um, he created a lot of chances again. Is looking really electric, looking really confident. He's not being placed into that wing-back position. He's playing uh, forward-thinking football, and I think it's only a matter of time before he gets a haul. But Maxwell Cornet... Um, Really, really impressive goal. My only mm. worry with him was he only had the one shot and one on target. Um, I think he did have one ruled offside that didn't need to be fair. Um, he had one disallowed it anyway. Yeah. Um, a great budget midfielder. So yeah, he looks very impressive. I don't know what Bernie's run is like for after this game. Cause I think, you know, we need to remember it's not always about the immediate future. No. Um, what, what is he on? What have they got? They've got Chelsea away, um, obviously, then to, Palace at home, thinking. Spurs at home, Wolves away, then Newcastle away. Um, so, yeah, it clears up a little bit after this weekend. Uh, and Cornet's only 0.7% owned. Yeah. And the reason I like the look of him is purely just because he just looks very unburnly. He's got real quality of both feet. And he's got mm. 25 points in his last two game weeks. So, yeah, the guy's un- on fire. He's only six mil. So... I know it's Chelsea's top of the league um, away from home, but Corne is someone to really consider, I think. Yeah, and, you know, Chris Wood, five shots, two shots on target. He's, he's someone that just, again, we've talked about this earlier in the pod, but just trickles along, yeah. never really hauls, but is, is, is good at getting points, is often their main focal uh, player out at Burnley. And if you are looking for a differential up t- up front, especially whilst you've got your Vardy's and your Antonio's blanking, you want to switch it up a bit, then I, I don't, I think you can do much worse than Chris Wood. Finally then, Palace and Brighton, they both had great results last game week at the Etihad and Anfield. Both have nice looking home fixtures this game week versus Wolves and Newcastle. Are they worth looking at for some enabler assets as we move forward this season? What do you think, Phil? Well, yeah, we talked about Palace, obviously, Zaha um, and Gallagher, Benteke and Edward also. And then for Brighton, you know, obviously Adam Lallana did some nice things at Anfield. I'm not saying he's going to start every week and kind of catapult you up your mini leagues, but he's a classy technician. <clears throat> but a guy, yeah, who we kind of look at sometimes uh, and has got quite a high ceiling, to be honest, is, is Leandro Trossard. And we always talk about Brighton as like, who is their go-to guy? Like, obviously... Jono loves Shane Duffy. He's got 40 points so far in FPL, but he's 24.4% owned. Leandro Trossard is 1.3% owned um, and he's 6.4 million, 41 points. And last year I bought him in for one game, Sash, and that was against Newcastle. I think Brighton were playing really well. Newcastle were playing really badly, Shark Horror. And he got me he got me 13 points that week. So he's the kind of guy, he's Belgian, don't forget, uh, from their golden generation, or so they say. Um, he's that guy that has got quite a high ceiling for Brighton. And so I'd be looking at, at Trossard, maybe more pay. Obviously, Jono mentioned him a few weeks ago. Kukurea, um, still playing well and still very low owned. But yeah, I really think Leandro Trossard could be worth looking at uh, this weekend. Absolutely, especially uh, the way that New 
Newcastle have played this season. Um, they are bottom of the league for shots faced, expected goals against and goals conceded. Um, so they are looking very leaky at the back and Brighton are playing good attacking football. I think Trossard is an excellent punt for this week. One more person I want to mention, Sash, I want to get his name right as well, is Enoch Mwepu, who scored an absolute howitzer at uh, at Anfield. Um, and I, th- I believe he's more of a striker. He's Zambian. He's 5.9 mil. He's down as a midfielder in the game and he's only 0.1% owned. And he got nine points at Anfield. And there's some real talk about him being, you know, a, a big thing. But yeah, what a goal it was. So yeah, keep an eye on him as well, especially with Welbeck kind of out for the foreseeable future and Wepu might get more and more minutes. And I'd like to mention one more player as well. And that is Sadio Mane. Um, very low percent owned because of how expensive he is. But he's got six goals in his last eight league starts. Yeah. He had his benching um, the week before when Jota and Firmino played alongside Salah. So I can't imagine he gets a benching soon. Um People will be downgrading money from Vardy, I expect. Some might downgrade money from Ronaldo because of those kind of next two or three weeks before they go on their nice run. And I don't think it's a terrible idea to put that into a second premium midfielder like Sadio because he's a great goal scorer. And I think he's one still worth considering. If you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do that than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure deadly diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventure across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen, and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world, and to win. Ask yourself, what's your warrior? And go to GoArmy.com to find out. Find your warrior today. Right. Gentlemen, it is time for your Team Tinker Corner. First up, I want captain picks. Who is going to give me Harry's? Go on, Jono. Okay, so Harry is going for... Oh, no. See, Havertz is a real shout. (laughs) I thought we were going to do him over then and say it was. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's gone. Havertz is a real shout, but I think I'll go for Salah. So I don't know why he just didn't just say Salah. Um, He's keeping safe. Liverpool also love a win against Moyes slash West Ham. Think it'll be more of the same here. I think the reason that he's written that is so if Havertz bangs, he can say, I said it! I said it! I said you should! Should have backed myself. And you know, the next person who's written something incredibly similar? Phil! (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to give Kai one more roll of the dice. Or if I'm feeling immensely kind of swept up in the emotion of football as as I walk towards Old Trafford... I might put the armband on Cristiano Ronaldo <clears throat> and see if he can get a couple against City. But uh, I'm mad, I know, but I'll probably go for Havertz. Jono? That is mad, Phil. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for Salah. It is safe, but also because none of my other players really are inspiring me this week. There's not many standout fixtures out of who I've got already. Yeah, Ronaldo, but I don't want Ronaldo against City. Liverpool... Um, for Antonio Vardy like Vardy on paper against Leeds lovely fixture but he looked so off the ball and off the pace in their last match that I'm not confident at all um so I'll probably stay safe with Salah formation choices Harry is going with 4-3-3 but it depends who he replaces Greenwood with Phil what about yourself 
He really hates Mason Greenwood. Um, still three five two, I think. <laughs> although I uh, <clears throat> I am panicking about what transfer I'm going to do. I might even roll it, but yeah, I'm guessing Greenwood won't play against City. So I just I don't know. But yeah, three five two, I think again. Johnny, um, I'm actually tempted to switch it up a bit this time and go for a four four two. I've been playing three four three all the time, but I'm I'm considering benching Antonio for this game and bringing in everyone's favourite bench boost player, Livramento of Southampton up against Villa at home. Look at you switching it up in the bench room, Johnny. Thank you very much. Do you not, Johnny? Do you not think that. if if, if Liverpool concede two against uh, Brighton at home, why they won't concede against Ben Rama and Berlin and Antonio? <clears throat> oh yeah, it's not that I don't think they'll concede. I just don't know if Antonio will be the person that's scoring. Interesting. Okay. Right. What about chooses and snoozes, Phil? You and Harry have picked one of the same. Yeah, still Mo. Um, I've gone for Trent as still a choose and snooze, um, despite his lack of a clean sheet last week against Brighton. And uh, Harry's gone for Matty Loughton. You had a beautiful game for Burnley last week. And again, it's the kind of guy that does tick along and get the odd goal and assist uh, for Burnley. Um, and I'm going to say it. I think I think Ron Naldo, Cristiano, he could be a choose and snooze for me because I feel like I feel like he has doubted every week as a footballer and every week seems to have an answer somewhere. So I feel may- maybe this could be a tipping point this season and he could go on to score 15, 20 goals. But uh, Mo and Trent, 100%. And Harry has quite sadly written, when it comes to the question, any chips with that? If only. <laughs> and he's talking about food there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any chips for you, Phil? No, again, I wish, but nah. Now it is time for a bit of transfer talk. In, out, shake it all about. No, we're not talking about Phil's flopper, thank God. We're talking about transfer. So who is coming into your side then, gentlemen? Sounds a bit wrong. Uh, But anywho, uh, (laughs) (laughs) tell me, how's Indiana and Droog doing? I um, I saw a thing on Twitter that um, it was actually to do with Scotland, but the Indy was um was trending Phil and it made me think of you and I thought have oh. we finally hit the big time but no. no it was actually about Scotland and Scottish independence it was not about ah. your FPL account <laughs> oh, that's a shame uh, well no Indiana's on about 498 followers now which seems fair considering Ooh-hoo! I follow nine follow 9000 people um in terms of uh <laughs> in terms of transfers um yeah, I am. Even though Havertz is probably going to make a captain, there's always a chance I could last minute transfer him out. Um, and every time I watch Rafinha, we mentioned him at the top of the show, Sash, he looks really quite good. And so I could get rid of maybe Greenwood and get some money in the bank for next week. Um, and I'm super tempted by Conor Gallagher because he's just not going away. Um, and he's scoring loads of FPL points. So yeah, I will make a transfer and it will be in the midfield. I just, don't know quite who yet. Fair enough. Phil, do you want to fill us in and what Harry's up to? Yeah, I mean, he's been quite mean again to Mason Greenwood. I quote, <laughs> it's time You're for so Mason to get out of my life. Of <laughs> I am. He's put, I'm so done with him. Who for is another question. Possibly ESR or Conor Gallagher. 
because I want to copy Phil. Or straight swap from Christensen to chili sauce. Um, but we're all a bit scared of Chelsea's defence because of, you know, rotation, as Jono mentioned. But uh, yeah, his hatred for Mason Greenwood continues. Jono? I think I'm going to bank the transfer. I hate my team with an absolute passion. (laughs) No, that's unfair. They've done me real good this week. I hate them this week. The the fixtures don't seem kind. I've got people, you know, I've got attackers playing defenders. That's never nice um, because you just know that the attacker won't score, yet the defender will concede and it'll be one points all round. But I just think with the, um, the international break coming up and with that huge fixture swing for Tottenham with a new manager and a whole new system, probably um i want to have um two free transfers coming up for that fixture swing and also i've been taking minus fours like they're running out of fashion so um (laughs) running out of fashion going out of fashion um i think i've taken minus fours in the last four game weeks and i think i should stop it's becoming an addiction so i'm going to be good and safe and missionary we expect nothing less from you johnny i've spent a lot of time joe Slating everybody in the company. I've ridiculed everyone on the roster. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Trash talk. What about a little bit of trash talk then? I, I see here that Harry isn't even around to give his trash talk, but he it's in block capitals. It's in bold. <laughs> I think there's a there's a bit of odd spacing going on. I think he's put double space. So, Phil, I mean, yeah. I feel like you could really get the passion in, in, in Harry's tone here. Please. I'll try. Take it away. There is a possibility that he's let a donkey type this. Um, but yeah, <laughs> what, he, what, what, he's, what he's said is... Yes, Brentford's new keeper, Manchester City, Trent, Jamie Vardy, all of them, bunch of useless beep, beep, beep. Basically, yeah. He's not happy. He's not happy, the lad. He's, at he's, all. Boy, he's double spaced. You know, mm, that says rage mm, to lots me. Lots of stars as well. Lots of rage. Yeah, absolutely. Do either of you have anything you'd add to the trash talk? <sighs> Not, not really. I, I think it's funny when Man United win, the whole world seems better again. So I'm not that annoyed at how rubbish I've okay. become at FPL recently. Um, so no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on the rage this week and leave that to to Harry and his donkey. I mean, Jono, you've said that you hate all of your team, so I think that kind of sums it up really for you. Yeah. Also, <laughs> George Wills can get in the bin. I really wanted. I really thought I'd got a top player this week, and he's absolutely robbed me. Um, so George, you can get in the bin, but you can get back out again next week. Because to be honest, we need all the followers we can get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> okay. Remember, remember you lovely lot out there. Your FPL transfer deadline for game week eleven. Is 6.30 p.m. GMT on Friday, the 5th of November. Fireworks all round. Big shouts then for game week 11. Um, let's just start with Harry's. Let's get it out of the way. And then, Jono, I want to come to you. So, Jono, you take us through Harry's, please. Yeah, so he's gone for... Do your Harry impression again. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I've gone for Adamola Lookman, 6 mil, 0.1%. Um, 
And um, he scored in the cup last week. And I think I'll start this one after impressing when he came off the bench against the Gooners. And Rogers is likely to ring the changes following the unexpected loss. <laughs> Leeds are leaky too, even though it scored against him. Oh, that was quite an energetic okay. Harry, I'd like to think. It was, yeah, yeah, that I was. was. The, I feel like the pace needed to um, mm. just slow I'll down. I'll work on it for bit. next but, week. Okay. Mm. When he d- what returns the donkey sanctuary for a third time. Yeah. <laughs> um, he just loves that place. Who can blame he him? Does. Jono, he does. Jono, uh, who's your big shout, please? I'm going for Jared Bowen. Uh, Phil said, you, you do you not think that West Ham will score against Liverpool? And I do. And I think Bowen could be the man, especially as a lot of their fans were seriously unimpressed with the idea of him joining them last season or whatever it was. And I think he'd come, yeah, he could come around to haunt them. 6.3 mil, 1.4% ownership, so much less than Ben Rama and Antonio. And he's only blanked once in the past one, two, three, four, five, six games. Um and he's scored four goals and got two assists in his last four. So he's absolutely in form. He got in brilliant positions against Brighton. And yeah, I think he d- could do the business this week. My XP would yeah, be... Yeah, I was going to say, Ooh. what's your XP? Oh, right, he's not going to get a clean sheet. I think he'll start two, five, seven. Let's go with eight, please, Sash. Eight. Mm. Did we get an XP from Harry? We didn't. I think he's going to go for no. 26, he said. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I heard that rumour too. Mm. Phil, who is your big shout Sivu play? So this week, it's a young Frenchman who I touched upon earlier. Michael Elise, 19-year-old winger at Crystal Palace. He's 5.4 mil, 0.1%. And I'm choosing him mainly to annoy Harry. Because we've both been admiring him from afar for a few weeks. He looks a real talent. He's a lovely little lefty, and we know that I love them. He twisted John Stones in knots at the Etihad. He should get more minutes versus Wolves at home, and he could do some damage. I'm going for an XP of also eight. Or in French, they say huit. You just love touching upon those young Frenchmen, don't you, Phil? Mm. You can blame I do, I do, I do. Right. Well, that is all that we have got time for this week. Uh, remember, remember to give us a follow, tell your friends, join our listeners league. It is never too late. And never. we will see you all next week. Ta-ra. Bye. I love your vacation home. How much time do you spend here? As much as we want. And when we're not using it, we rent it out. Our amazing team cares for and markets it on all the major booking sites. What team does all that? Picasa. They manage everything, and I see it all on my phone. Plus, they've been earning us over 20% more after I switched from my last property manager. Your vacation home earned you that much? It's not a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home. Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 800-544-0300 or visit vacasa.com. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store.
At Georgia Power, we're investing in infrastructure to ensure a more resilient power grid, creating a balanced mix of hydro, solar, and nuclear energy, all while installing high-speed EV charging stations across the state and keeping your bill well below the national average. Because we know that the carbon-free energy Georgia needs to prosper tomorrow will come from the tireless energy we put in our communities today. Georgia Power. Powering tomorrow. Today. Live from a basement in Dubuque, Iowa. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. 30 minutes from the Field of Dreams and four hours from the closest professional sports team. It's not a lie if you believe it. On the banks of the Mississippi River. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. It's the Degenerate Sports Betting Show with Matthew Friedman. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. And now your host, Matthew Friedman. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Freeman, Matt F. The Oracle. Welcome to the Degenerate Sports Betting Show brought to you by BetCV and sponsored by the FTN Network, where you can get all the season-long and daily fantasy and sports betting content your degenerate heart desires, including my fantasy football write-ups and all of my NFL sides, totals, and player props. Use the highly original promo code FREEDMAN for 20% off of your FTN subscription. That is FREEDMAN for 20% off at FTN. Thanks for checking out the show. Subscribe to the BetCV channel on YouTube and rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. All right, it is Tuesday, and we are lucky enough to have with us FTN's own Joe Metz, an Xavier alum, Milwaukee Bucks fan, and co-host of FTN's NBA podcast. He is here to help us break down tonight's five-game NBA slate. Joe, come on. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Uh, Frequent listener, obviously first-time guest, so... Excited to be here with a you know slate my Milwaukee Bucks are playing on. Yes, I, I'm imagining that that is the only reason you have researched tonight's <laughs> NBA slate, just so you can be fully prepared to watch your Bucks dominate. Let's let's talk about the uh, the slate here. Uh, yep. We can sort of how would you like to run through? It? Would you like to run through game by game, or do you just want to say, Matt, here are the bets that I really like tonight? I think with this slate, the latter is probably a better option because this is probably the first slate this year where there are an overwhelming amount of questionable tags that will really affect betting lines. Um, okay. Bucks are missing all of their stars except Giannis. Chris Middleton just entered the health and safety protocols. Um, Giannis actually has a probable designation, but you, know, you saw yesterday with the Sixers, if a team is missing so many players in the game, seventh, eighth game of the regular season doesn't really matter that much, they may just punt it. Um, Suns, DeAndre Ayton's questionable, Bam Adebayo questionable for the Heat, Kristaps Porzingis for the Mavericks. So, you know, obviously the trend being everyone's questionable and everyone that is questionable will have a pretty big effect on, on the spread, the, the closing line value of these, uh, the money line spreads, totals, everything. So I've, I've, the one bet that I have locked in pretty confidently, I got it this morning. I took the Miami Heat money line over the Dallas Mavericks at minus 120 has since moved to minus 135. Rumblings are that Bam Adebayo is going to play. He practiced yesterday. On the flip side, Kristaps Porzingis has missed two consecutive games, still dealing with the same issue. Whether he plays or not, this is a line that I would have been comfortable taking regardless, up to probably about 150, 165, um, simply because I, Luka Doncic is great. Don't get me wrong, but with so much usage funneling, funneling through him with, with Dallas solely relying on him without a true second superstar, 
a defense like Miami is one that can kind of key in on that and not necessarily shut him down, but really get the ball out of his hands. And when you get the ball out of his hands to people like Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dwight Powell, if Porzingis doesn't play, those aren't really players that I'm necessarily scared of when you're looking at a Miami Heat team that from top to bottom is one of the, the deeper and better teams in the NBA. So it's the one bet I've locked in so far. Otherwise, what I think to be the appropriate plan of attack today is to monitor the afternoon injury report and go from there um, with, with mapping out what player props you want to target. For example, Dwight Powell's rebounds are one that I would probably target pretty heavily right now, sitting at five and a half at plus money. Maxi Kleba already ruled out. He had 12 and eight in 33 minutes last game with both Porzingis and Kleba out. If Porzingis misses, I'm sure that line will go up. So it's a worthwhile step, but just an example of, of, following player props throughout the day, following spreads and totals is going to be very, very important as, as these injury reports start to roll out. So Joe, a couple of things. One, uh, as a Mavs fan, but also a guy who likes to bet against his own home teams. This is sort yeah. of like in, in my wheelhouse of uh, having a, a money line bet going against the Mavs. So that's that's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, and then two, you, you sort of anticipated me. I had at the end of the outline some general questions about how do you approach injuries and are there yeah. any particular injuries for tonight? And then, you know, any, any thoughts on props and how injuries might impact the prop market. So I'd, I'd like to ask kind of that bigger picture question. Yeah. You have the plan of attack for injuries today. Is that representative of how you generally approach injuries? Maybe kind of wait and see, or do you sometimes kind of take a lean and thinking, okay, I know this guy's questionable. I think he's probably going to be out. I want to bet this and get ahead of the line. I, I think it's a mixture of both. Um, I, I think it's contingent on the injury. Like, take Bam out of bio, for example. He comes in as questionable. But if you look at the things leading up to this game, he practiced fully yesterday. He's probably leaning towards the optimistic side of questionable where I'm operating that he is in. But in a situation in Dallas, you know, with, with Porzingis being out the last two games, Kleba already ruled out. I'm I'm looking for props that even if these players are in, they feel a little bit mispriced but ones that because of that, if a player is ruled out, it's going to jump, you know, in, in Dwight Powell's case, a rebound or two, um, it will jump up. So getting five and a half rebounds for Dwight Powell is the, like I said, the player prop I'm eyeing at plus money right now. There's too much value there to me where it's, it's a hittable prop. Um, if both those players are in, it's hittable with Kleba out, but getting that plus money with now the potential that Porzingis is going to be out is a value that I, I can't really pass up. Um, I, I tend to, when when looking at the injury report, you see players are questionable. I'll just jump to see what the teammates' props are, and and like I said, just if there are some that I think are that I would consider betting if this player was healthy, I would bet on those. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's sort of the betting perspective on stuff, and then there's just the basketball fan, you know, matchup perspective on stuff. Yeah. Out of these games, five game slate, are there any that stand out to you as like? Hey, I'm probably not going to be betting this game. The sides, the totals, all of that seems right. But I'm really looking forward to watching this game. Are there some matchups for tonight's slate that you're anticipating really enjoying? This slate's hard because I think four of the five games, and you know, we keep harping on Dallas, but like every other game outside of that has like the Bucks have a four point spread simply because of the injuries that they're experiencing over the Pistons. But every other spread on the slate right now is a nine point spread or more yeah. so i think there could be some really unentertaining blowouts like phoenix has been underwhelming but against the pelicans team that might miss brandon ingram and Devonte graham 
or the Lakers against the Rockets who are tanking or the Jazz against the Kings. If I had to pick one, I actually think the Jazz and the Kings would be my favorite. Um, it's it's two very, very different offensive dynamics. You know, the Kings love to push the pace and the Jazz thrive and, and push the half-court offense. So it's kind of a, a battle of polar opposites where if I think it can be very entertaining that if De'Aaron Fox specifically succeeds in, in pushing the pace, I think the Kings could actually cover and make it a competitive game. It's not a bet that I'm, I'm willing to play, but as a basketball fan, I think it could make for a very entertaining game. I have zero interest in watching the Lakers 99% of the time, but if they're playing the Rockets, I definitely don't have an interest in, in watching that game. Can we talk just a little bit about that game? I know it it feels like there's a big discrepancy between those two teams, and, and there mm-hmm. is. I mean, the Rockets, they're one and six, but the Lakers, it's, I mean, they're four and three. It feels as if they have struggled to get started this season. And so, like, maybe this is a really great get right spot for them where they just destroy a Rockets team. But the spread right now, I'm looking at it, is 10 and a half. And I don't know, like, for, for, I don't know, a Lakers team that just feels like it's not functioning at full capacity going against a road underdog. I don't know. There's something like, again, I know nothing about basketball, so it's not like I'm going to be able to break down like, okay, this is why you should bet on the Rockets. But it feels like this might be a spot. Am I totally wrong here? And like, should the Lakers just win this game by 20? I think they should, but I don't think you're totally wrong. You know, the, like you mentioned, the Lakers are a team that have you know, widely disappointed this season. Um, they are. This is a game, too, where, you know, we've seen them rest both Anthony Davis and LeBron James multiple times already this year. You look at the opponent tonight, that could very well be a case here as a surprise inactive. Um, I just don't know, like knowing that not only the Rockets don't necessarily have the experience to keep up with this this caliber of a team. But they also don't really have the desire, knowing that they're not going anywhere as an organization for the next handful of years. Like they are one of probably three or four teams in the league that are actively tanking. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know if I if I would be comfortable betting on the Rockets tonight. Okay, I'm uh, I'm gonna I might take some time that I don't have and try to do some archival research yeah. to see what happens on like teams that have horrible records. When they are road dogs going against, I don't know, like good teams, but teams that are kind of underperforming. That I, I don't know if I would even be able to do that research. That would yeah, take some I mean, time. for what it's but, worth, Lakers are the second worst team against the spread right now in the NBA. I mean, only seven games into the season, but it's them and Phoenix, who is also on the slate as the as the worst two teams in the league against the spread. Oh man, that feels like that feels like a Friedman bet. Uh, if ever <laughs> there were uh, an uninformed Friedman bet, that would be the one I'm making. All right. We've talked, I mean, we have the five-game slate tonight. Maybe we've talked enough about this slate. There are injuries. There are large spreads. Let's talk kind of big picture for this season. We're still early on, but we are far enough along to where we have some injuries popping up. Is there a team or a player who has impressed you so far? Or let me rephrase that. What has caught your eye? John Morant is the, the number one thing that's caught my eye. Like Dylan Brooks has been out who Dylan Brooks traditionally is a, a high usage, 26, 27% usage rate player. John Morant at one point, I think three, four games through the season was averaging 35 points a game. Um, usage rate over 30%. His touches are way up. Like he, 
when I, when I when I compare him to Russell Westbrook, I'm not saying he's in that that statistical category. But I think when you bring in a a big like Stephen Adams, who has played with an overly competitive point guard in, in Oklahoma City in Russell Westbrook, it makes that offense easier to to execute around the pick and roll, which is what they've been doing the most this year, and that's where John Morant is thriving. So he's he's been really really impressive. Um, he's seen upticks in just about every statistical category. And I think the other two are, are Lamelo Ball and Tyler Hero. Um, I think the expectations around Ball were were high after that rookie year, and he's delivering. The expectations around Hero were kind of up in the air. You know, he had that massive stretch in the bubble where he looked like the best shooter in the world, and then he had a rather uneventful sophomore year because I think people overextended the expectations from the bubble. Once things got back to normal, you know, you're not shooting in an empty gym anymore, which for a rookie, that's probably pretty significant, but he's looked great. Like he is probably the favorite. He should be the favorite for six man of the year. I've not looked at the odds in the last probably couple of days, but averaging over 20 points, five assists, five rebounds a game off the bench is a pretty damn impressive start to the season. Uh, in terms of Morant or ball, do you think that in the MVP market, there might be any value there. Are you looking elsewhere? Because I mean, I know like MVPs, like it's not just, yeah. is this guy a good player? It's also like, is he on a team that feels like a championship contender? Yeah. How how are you thinking about those guys? I don't think Morant is. Um, and and Zach Graham Quisenberg, actually, on the last FTN NBA podcast, we had an overreaction segment and his was that LaMelo Ball will win MVP. And, and while I don't think he will, I think there's too much value there to not put, you know, a tenth of a unit or something on it. Mm -hmm. Simply, you know, the, the Hornets are definitely not regarded as a championship caliber team. But the thing that LaMelo Ball has going for him in a league that is all over the media, like the NBA, is like the the sex appeal, for lack of a better word. Like, he is a very attractive option. Like, people love watching his highlights. Every day on SportsCenter, you see him and Miles Bridges running a fast break alley-oop. Um, he's wearing these super flamboyant outfits. Like, he's literally always on TV whether it's sports center, whether it's complex with all these news outlets, he's everywhere with the statistical production he's doing to back that up. Like he's going to be at the forefront of everyone's mind. Um, again, I don't think it's a likely outcome, but if I had to pick a, a longer shot that I, I do have an interest in an MVP, it's probably LaMelo ball who, as I pull it up right now to win MVP right now, LaMelo ball is plus 15,000. So I, I, I do think getting him at, you know, 150 to one is a really, really, really nice value. Yeah. And I see, I see your interest is being peaked right now too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> 150 to one, you know, yeah. like, uh, yeah, I, again, a little bit of a degenerate here, but, uh, that mm -hmm. is something that, that would intrigue me because if they are in the playoff hunt and he is playing well, they could swing for a trade for someone and maybe that pushes them into having like a top three record uh, in in the East, right? Like it feels like something like that would maybe be possible if they're mm -hmm. a little bit lucky. Like they're not all that far off from some of the other teams. And granted, it's early in the season. So like the difference between a five and three record and like five and two record, yeah, exactly. like, you know, it, it stuff extrapolates out. But I don't know. It, it feels like maybe there could be something there. He has yeah. the statistics for sure. Yep. And he has he has the media's attention, so it's just yeah. a matter of whether you can really leapfrog the Kevin Durant, the Luca, the Giannis, which is going to be a tall task, but it's not it's not impossible. Yeah. All right. So those were three 
individual players? Are there teams, uh, teams specifically that you might have futures tickets on? Yeah. So actually most of my futures this year came on, on team win totals when DraftKings dropped their um, win totals. I, I, there are some that I am still just absolutely loving right now, just because I, they were underpriced at the time. And again, you mentioned we're seven, eight games into the season, but it, the hot starts definitely help. So uh, a few that I have right now that I really like, like Portland under 44 and a half wins is one that I took back in, I believe, August. Um, this team, when I took it, there was still the ambiguity around whether Damian Lillard will be there all season or not. And, you know, to start the season, has he really been there? Because he hasn't been playing like it. Um, I, I don't think this team, it, they're not a good team statistically on the defensive end. And you look at a conference in the West that, aside from Kawhi being out, got healthier relative to the playoffs last year. It's just going to be more difficult for them to win. Um, so I, I really like the Blazers under 44 and a half wins. And then you I know, have. I'm, I'm going to ask what? you a quick yeah. question right yeah. there because you were talking about the Blazers. Damian Lillard, mm-hmm. what do you think is going on with him? And like, how are you approaching the Blazers in the betting market on a game to game basis given the Lillard situation? It's really hard because this like pulls in my heart. I, you know, I bet the Blazers money line last night against the Sixers team without Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and obviously Ben Simmons. And they failed to cover the opening spread. They lost by 10. This is this team's in shambles right now. Um, Damian Lillard is shooting under 30% from three, under 40% from the field. And it's uncharacteristic relative to what we've come to know, but we saw him really, really struggle in international play. And again, like to plug Zach on the, on the podcast, like he mentioned that I, I think when teams watch, you know, a, a one month span of a player getting like shut down, they'll use that in the film room. They know how to lock him down. And he's struggling in international play. And I think teams are starting to realize that if you scheme defensively against him like that, he will struggle. There's also, and this is all speculation, you know, there's Paul George came out with a comment about how the Wilson ball that they're using now instead of the Spalding ball is much more slippery and it's affecting player shots, things like that. And Lillard also said the same about the international ball. So I don't know if it's an adjustment with the new basketball that they're using. But something clearly isn't working for him. There's rumors of a core issue, like a core injury. Um, it could be one of the three. It could be all three. But the point is, like, he is not himself, or at least the lawyer we've come to know. In terms of betting, right now they're a complete stay away from me. Uh, whether it's been DFS or betting, I've gotten burned by Damian Lillard. I got burned last night trusting them, being healthy against a team that wasn't. But – I'm I'm worried that the, the moment that I do bet on them will be the Lillard 60 point game where he's back. And I just don't want to be a victim of that. If I've already been a victim too frequently in the first two weeks to betting on the Blazers. Um, so right now it's a complete stay away because I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. This sounds like the type of team uh, I'm going to bet against as a totally uninformed person. Uh, you mentioned there uh, it will, I'm going to continue on this detour and then we'll circle back to your futures tickets. You mentioned there the change with the ball and how Mm -hmm. uh, some shooters have said that they're struggling with it. Do you feel like that is something that has fed into the under hitting in a lot of games this year? Do you think it's randomness? What do you think is happening so far with the totals that we've seen? I think to your your point, the under has been like nuts this year in the NBA. There are seven teams in the NBA right now that have a winning record against the over at seven out of 23, which is uncharacteristic, especially in the direction the league has been going lately uh, where it's been offensive oriented. I think the ball could have a um, something to do with it. I also do think the new foul rule has a bit to play simply because 
it's it's eliminating a lot of free throw opportunities where teams will score without the clock running, which obviously just juices the total. Um, so you look at teams like Brooklyn with James Harden, Trey Young in Atlanta, uh, Devin Booker in Phoenix. Like these players are struggling a bit more, who are typically key contributors to a, a team and, and a game total. Um, and you're also not getting as much stoppage or opportunities to score without the clock running. I think all that kind of bakes into the the under. It's not something statistically that I've looked into, but I would like to see if the under is typically more successful earlier in seasons as it is when the season progresses simply because of the layoff. Um, I, I'm not positive right now, but you are right. The under has been much more successful than the over this year in the NBA. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get back. Your future mm-hmm. tickets, your future tickets. You mentioned Portland under, I believe you said 44 and a half. What are yep. some of the other tickets that you are holding yep. right now? I've got, Three Eastern Conference overs that I locked in that are looking good so far. I had the Hornets over 38 and a half wins. You know, we mentioned LaMelo Ball's play. Miles Bridges has been playing out of his mind too, averaging over 20 points, over nine rebounds a game. Um, and they've gotten, I mean, the key for me with Charlotte is whether or not Gordon Hayward can stay healthy enough to play, say, 60 games. It's not something he's done since his contract year in, in Utah. But if they can get him in addition to Kelly Oubre, PJ Washington, and Terry Rozier, they have enough to be a 40 win team, which would still be under 500 in, in the NBA. Um, so I, that one's going well so far. And then I also have over 42 and a half wins for both the bulls and the Knicks. Uh, both our teams are off to scorching starts right now. And I like in the Knicks, for example, they won 41 games in a 72 game season last year when it was shortened. I just think this team was being disrespected by the odds makers where you add 10 games to the season and don't expect them to get two more wins in those 10 games. They could regress relative to what they were last year and still hit this over. Um, and the Bulls, too, were just underpriced relative to what they did in the offseason with Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso. They've showed some struggles on the road, but I think that win in Boston yesterday where they outscored them at one point, it was they were outscoring the Celtics 35-9 to in the fourth quarter, just showed that they are a resilient team. This is where the experience with a player like DeMar DeRozan helps quite a bit. And we keep harping on, you know, it's early take things with a grain of salt, but I'll take a six and one start when I have an over on a team. So getting those starts is always a nice confidence boost as well. Sure. Definitely. Um, okay. I am looking right now at DraftKings odds yep. to, to win the finals. And I'm okay. curious, are there any teams that really stand out to you as potentially being a value right now? And again, you know, caveat, the season is still young, but there are some teams that have, you know, underperformed in terms of their record to this point in the year. You have the Bucks playing tonight who are three and four. You have the Lakers who are four and three. You know, I'm just wondering if in this, you know, this flexible market, you have seen any movement that has made you think, okay, this team is now too cheap relative to the talent that they really possess this is a good time to invest. Any teams catch your eye? This is going to come off as just extremely biased. Um, but from an unbiased better, I have to say the Milwaukee Bucks, and not just because they won the title last year. Um, I, I see them at plus 850 on DraftKings right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they were plus, I believe, 900 or 700 going into the season. It's not so much that I think that alone is a good value, because I think it is. But when you originally saw especially when when the season opened you saw the nets sitting at you know plus 250 they're at plus 225 right now 
the Lakers were closer to plus 400 when the season opened there at plus 500 now. I just don't think there should be that significant of a gap between, you know, say, the Brooklyn Nets, for example, and the Bucks. Um, like they're they're over three times more likely to win the finals the Nets are than the Bucks, and I, I don't think that is realistic, um, especially considering James Harden's early season struggles, the, the fact that Kyrie may never play a basketball game again. Um, so I, th- I think the Bucks have a lot going in their favor, and if the number keeps dropping because of their poor start, it's one that I'm I'm happy to take. But outside of that, I, I do think the the finals pricing has been pretty tight and, and, and appropriate. Um, I, I, you know, the Lakers dropped to plus 500, but I still don't believe in this team as much as others do um, when it comes to playoff time. I think the finals winner is going to come out of the East. I think it's going to be the Bucks or the Nuts. Um, I don't think Suns have enough to get it done. Um, I think Utah is probably the only other team I would take as a value right now, plus 1300. They're just a team built to win, built for a deep run. They have players that can do everything. And again, plus 1,300 when the Lakers are plus 500, I, I'm happy with that value. Okay. I have to uh, I have to ask because I am a self-loathing Dallas sports fan. The Mavericks, I see them at 30 to 1 at DraftKings. And I should say, uh, in the FTN prop shop that we have, you can yep. type in the name of a team and sort by book and see the best line, easily the best line, uh, available for any prop or future that is on the market. The 850 that we talked about for the Milwaukee Bucks, that is the best line in the market right now across all the different sports books. So if you are interested in the Bucks, you can bet them at DraftKings, the best value in the market at plus 850. The Mavericks 30 to 1. I haven't checked the prop shop yet to see if, in fact, that is the best number, but I'm imagining it's, it's not. No, it's 42 to 1 on FanDuel. Right yes. Now. So, right. I, so I know you yeah. are a self-loathing Mavs fan to use your vernacular. And I, I don't personally believe that this is a realistic outcome, but at the end of the day, this isn't necessarily you saying they're going to win the finals. It's okay. Their chances are much higher than 42 to one. Yeah. And that is a, that is a bet that I would be okay taking. I think one thing in the NBA more so than any other league, you see how valuable one superstar can be. Look at LeBron in Cleveland, Giannis in Milwaukee, they have Luca in Dallas. So I think if they can figure out things around him, if Porzingis can get healthy and, and step up to be that second start they need, if they make a move at the deadline, if Jason Kidd starts to actually learn how to coach, I don't know what it is, but I think they have one thing in a bona fide superstar that most teams in the NBA don't. And that alone, I think, gives them a much better chance than 42 to 1 to win the NBA championship. Look, I think Jason Kidd coming back to play would be better than Jason Kidd. Uh, yeah, it might coaching. Be. I agree. <laughs> uh, I, I have very little faith in that. And also I'll just say Chris Apps for Zingas, I have no faith in him either to get healthy or to be a good number two, if he is healthy. And, and so that's, that's the thing that keeps me from betting on yeah. the Mavs to win the championship, because I do think, you know, player versus any player, uh, Luca is right there with anyone yes. in terms of what he could do in a, a finals series, you know, like, mm-hmm. Game seven, one player with the ball in his hands. Can he win the game? Like, yes, I think Luca could do that. But just to get to that point, you need a team around yeah. him. And yeah. it's it's not just, you you know, so like you need some of the glue guys. The Mavs maybe have some of those guys, but you need a number two and preferably a number three. And I don't think Porzingis even gets it done as a number two. And they're not even close to having a number three. So yeah. I just, I don't know. The 42 to sure. one. 
that's intriguing. It does intrigue me. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. That's fair. I don't blame you. All right, Joe, this is, this has been fantastic. I would like for you to talk about if you have anything you want to plug the content that you are doing at FTN, the podcast that you're doing with Kaweisenberg, give the people the goods. Yeah. So you can find me at jmets 34 on Twitter. Um, I have four or five articles a day across the FTN network between bets, fantasy and uh, daily, primarily focused on the DFS and betting side for NBA and NFL podcast is a ton of fun. We are focusing on betting season long, best ball and DFS that come, they, they, the episodes come out Wednesdays and Fridays. We're recording tonight. And if you are an FTN subscriber, one of the best benefits for the podcast is we are now going to have um, a subscriber either once a week or every other week, just join the podcast, talk about what, what they like about FTN, how they got to where they are and their involvement with DFS to kind of bring the community together a little bit more. Um, and the only, the last thing I'll plug, I plugged it every FTN podcast. I plugged it on my Twitter feed left and right. James Harden still too cheap to an MVP slow start to the season. Uh, he was 25 to one when I originally put the ticket in on DraftKings. I'm pulling it up right now. James Harden right now. Is 30 to one on Bet Rivers, 25 to one on DraftKings. I just don't think, no matter how poorly they're playing in the first two weeks of the season, a player that has recently won MVP, he's minus 170 to lead the league in, in assists, and is the caliber of player that James Harden is should ever be 30 or 25 to one to win MVP, especially if this is the betting favorite to win the NBA Finals. I love that. That's that's fantastic. Great takeaway there. All right, Joe, thank you for taking the time to join the show. Fantastic information. We would love to have you on the show again in the future. All right, that is going to do it for, uh, of course, the Degenerate Sports Betting Show brought to you by Best TV, sponsored by the FTN Network, where you can get all of my content on Friday. I publish the Fantasy Football Breakdown on Thursday, the Best Bets article on Tuesday, the Fantasy Football Rankings, which I update on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. All throughout the week, you can find in the FTN Bets Tracker, my NFL size totals and player props. Sometimes if I'm feeling extra spicy, I will put some NBA player props in there. Maybe I will do that tonight on Twitter, on YouTube, on your favorite podcast app, and on FTN. You can see daily episodes of the Freeman Fantasy Football Show and the Degenerate Sports Betting Show. And always use the highly original promo code Friedman for 20% off at FTN. All right, that is the show. You can find me and Joe on Twitter at Matt F. The Oracle and JMets34. Thanks for joining us and see you next episode. Excited for a road trip? Start it off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. J.D. Power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I always thought owning a vacation home was hard work, from finding guests to just maintaining it. But with Vacasa, they put my vacation home to work for me, caring deeply for my home in every way. Best of all, since switching from my last property manager, Vacasa has been earning us over 20% more. Because it's not just a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home. Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 470-900-4828 or visit vacasa.com slash free dash estimate. 
If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. This podcast is brought to you by Connect Safely and My Digital Tattoo. We are a Silicon Valley nonprofit helping young people and adults that care about them build healthy habits, critical thinking, and ethical online behavior. Learn more about us at mydigitaltattoo.org. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to Media in the Middle. Today, we will be discussing the link between body image and social media. As the public learns more about the recently presented data on the fact that Facebook is aware of making body image worse, we thought it would be the perfect time to hear about the experiences our panel has faced around this important issue. I'm your host, Marissa. Can everyone please introduce themselves? Hi, uh, my name is Andrew. Hi, my name is Akshan. Hi, I'm Lucy. Hi, I'm Sophie B. And hi, I'm Sophie J. Great. Thanks for joining us today. Do you think enhanced images contribute to the whole idea of like the beauty myth? And I guess, what do you think we can do to try to mitigate this sort of status quo? Um, I think there are a lot of issues with photo editing and like just face tuning, even if it's like only a slight amount. Um, And I think the main problem with it is that celebrities in general just don't say that they're face tuning like the point of face tuning is that it's secret and it's that that uh, they're trying to make it seem like their body actually looks like something else um I think there wouldn't really be an issue with it if people were open about it and were just kind of like oh yeah I edited my photo a little because I didn't like you know this one thing in it or I, I like there's a glare on my face and I changed it like I feel like it would have been fine if people were just like kind of more transparent about it, but since they're not, it does kind of contribute to the beauty myth of how people look. Um, And obviously sometimes like some people are like infamous for doing it a lot, like severely editing their body to the degree where it changes their background. Like, you know how, like if you change something like the door behind it will curve with what you change and stuff like that, like that kind of like the like, people get exposed for that, um, and I think to mitigate it, it would just be helpful to encourage people to not edit their photos unless it's, like, something for, like, the, like, lighting purposes or something like that, like, try not to edit, like, your actual body, because it's just, like, it's just making everything worse, and if nobody did it in the first place, then you wouldn't feel the need to edit your body, because you would already see realistic bodies, and like you would already you wouldn't feel the need to do that i think also thinking about like what people are editing especially when if, if you ever see there was kind of a trend this i thought it was like kind of funny um but there's also something like dark to it there was a trend of like showing celebrities pictures before and after editing um and which kind of shows like how unrealistic social media can be and like Instagram can be 
or just like showing an edited picture and then showing like a candid picture of them um but also just looking at and this can I sorry this is like a random thought but this can go into like another question as well but like a lot of editing that people will do is um like lightening their face or like especially like your under eyes and like this is done with makeup too and whatever um but I was thinking of another trend okay this is actually totally the last question but um an, like a trend online um like on TikTok was like when people were pushing their nose up a little bit and like holding it there and then seeing like what their side profile looked like which um like having that kind of like sloped like front nose is like an inherently like European or white feature and I think that's kind of like a whole other issue with body image standards um online is that a lot of them and a lot of like trends and like what people edit towards or just like what is idealized is often like predominantly white features um and I think someone talked a little bit about this earlier but I just think that that's kind of like a really big thing like beyond and I think that's it I don't know I think like beyond gender and beyond a lot of things like um that's a huge thing and then I think you also like see that in editing like people will edit out like the blemishes on their face and the and like change the color of their skin um which I think can be like really damaging and just like reversing a lot of progress made for representation um another issue I would say that there is is how easy it is to edit something and facetune something it's built into essentially all social media platforms at least the ones I've interacted with um it's also very easy to download an app on your phone and and there's like ais that will do it for you um so one thing i think is is that that these major apps can do too is minimize how much face tuning features and filters they put into their apps um just because i would say most of it stems from them and how easy uh they make it for say an influencer to start a trend like the nose uh side profile trend that was described earlier um so that's one possible solution yeah um i think that enhanced images definitely contribute to the beautiness because sometimes like um, it can be hard to tell if an image is enhanced or not um and you know you always think um it could be but then it also could not be and what if they really are just this good looking in real life and then you know you start like thinking oh i wish i could be that good looking too and also, like Akshan said, a lot of, um, it's really easy just for everyday people to also enhance their images too. And he was mentioning how there's a lot of, um, like, beauty filters built into social media apps. But I also just thought of, like, Zoom. There's also that thing that lets you, like, I forget what it's called, like, the beauty enhancing option that you can use on Zoom. And, like, I didn't even know it existed until um, late in 2020. and I just thought it was really weird because, like, even on Zoom, like, you don't really know if you're really looking at a person's, if that's how a person looks like, even though you're, like, calling them over real time. Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, I don't have much more to add. I think you guys covered it pretty well. But, I mean, I kind of wonder, um, like, I think Sophie V had mentioned, and I think maybe Lucy and Marissa had also mentioned how there's, like, certain, like, trends or, like, um, movements like people have just like started calling 
uh, celebrities out for like editing their stuff. And like, I wonder if like now it's at a point where like everyone expects um, photos to be edited. And, and I wonder like, um, like what the next step is to actually like stop it from editing or if we're just going to like um, accept that people edit photos on social media and just live with it. Um, I don't really know the answer to that. So I'll just be interested to see, you know, kind of uh, how that goes and if people really push to, to stop the editing or if they just um, kind of like accept it as a norm and, and just go into everything expecting that it's edited. I think everyone brought up really great points. How do you see the influence of social media in relation to physical appearance, style or body image manifest in your own life or your own community and your own friend group? I think one of the things that comes to mind for me is that um, like over, over quarantine, like a lot of my friends got really into weightlifting um, probably because, you know, that's everyone got into building a home gym over quarantine, uh, but also like it's just become more prevalent. And so I think, um, you know, they're a lot more worried with, you know, how they look and if they are like, you know, there's this big term like aesthetics, you know, like how there's like the ideal bodybuilding shape. Um, that they're going for. So um, that's just like popped up recently for me. Um, and that's just something that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, some of my friends are like definitely really um, like concerned about their own looks. And I always hear them like comparing themselves to like um, social media influencers. And I just think it's really sad because I think all my friends are good looking. Um there's always going to be someone who's prettier than you, but I think they're all definitely very pretty already. And it just makes me sad that they think that they always have to try to be more because they already are. Yeah, I think for me and like basically what you said, like I've definitely just encountered a lot of things like that where I hear like my friends comparing themselves to people on social media or like even if it's not really like a self-deprecating kind of thing. Um, like, even if they're just, like, oh, I wish I looked like her, or, like, she's really pretty, or he's really, I don't know, like, stuff like that, um, there's, like, little things like that, but I feel like it can also be good, um, in some ways, it can be, like, kind of motivational, this is, like, doesn't happen as often, but I feel like seeing people on social media that are super fit and athletic could be motivation that's, in, like, in a healthy way, for you to like keep working out but then again it that can very easily become toxic but I found that like sometimes in small amounts it can be good to like keep going and like working towards what you want but not trying to get like not trying to be the ideal body type but just trying to improve yourself to be happy and for yourself but not for not for like validation from someone else. I also think that, like, the online culture of people judging celebrities, like, really harshly, um, kind of trickles down into, like, people judging other people that they don't know, which then kind of comes into, like, just a large... I mean, teenagers are really judgmental, and I think that, like, people are inherently judgmental, but I definitely see... um, there's just like a harshness that social media I think adds to people and like our generation especially um having grown up on social media I actually wrote this in my college essay the other day like I think that having like my having grown up on social media has created this like 
hyper sense of self-awareness, um, which in turn is like a hyper sense of self-consciousness and just worrying about like, not only am I worried about what, like when I post something online, I'm really worried about like what people, the people that follow me and like people I know, like what they're going to think about it. But then that also just carries on into my like day-to-day life and like worrying about what people think of me um, just every day and all the time. Um, and so, and I think that that's definitely kind of changed as I've gotten older and something I, and and something that I think that has changed as we've transitioned out of lockdown, because like in lockdown, the only thing I was worried about was like, what do people think about like how I look on zoom? And now it's like, well, people can see me in person all day, um, at school. And so it's a whole, just, I have to like change my whole mindset and also like try and relieve myself of like, don't worry about, about what other people think, like worry about yourself and your own self-confidence and like self-view. Um, because I kind of always tell myself like, I'm not that judgmental of other people. And so like, they can't, I, I shouldn't expect them to be like super harsh on me. Those were all really great points. Um, for me personally, in my own life, um, I try to remind myself and my friends that I guess when it comes to social media, when we see influencers or celebrities like posting and looking a certain way, um, I try to remember that it's almost like essentially their job to market themselves um, and their like appearance <laughs> in a certain way. Um, I guess try to I'm trying to look at it sort of like practically that it is part of their career or like an aspect of it, um, and so I just have to be more aware of that and not try to fall into the like whole romanticization of the whole thing I guess and I also I guess when it comes to my friends when they do make comments about their like body image or they feel like they're being unhealthy or something um, I try to remind them that as long as they're happy with their body their body is doing what they want it to do um, I think that's all that really matters really um, Yeah, but anyways, thank you so much for joining this episode of the podcast. It was really great hearing everyone's conversations and thoughts. Um, Media in the middle, checking out. With men versus women, but I think in general, one of the main body standards for people, especially younger people, is being athletic and like a lot of, uh, that has a lot to do with weight as well, but I think being athletic, um, and skinny for women and like big and muscular for men kind of and like in reality being like a perfect body doesn't really exist and I feel like behind each Instagram post there's so much like retouching that goes into it and like photoshopping or there's like a combination of like oh like intense gym like it like what is it called working out um and also like plastic surgery and like a lot of that kind of stuff that kind of is aligned to their audience. Um, and there's a lot to do with like, like if you see an Instagram post with a really fit person and they're holding up like supplements or like diet pills or something like that. And then they're claiming that the product is making them look like that when it's actually like plastic surgery um and a lot like that which is kind of like adding to it because it's kind of like misinformation and it's like just false advertising um 
so yeah, I think a lot of the beauty standard is just being athletic. And um, even behind that, there's just like plastic surgery and like some lies behind it as well. I think also, um, I feel like there used to be a really big emphasis, at least for female body standards. Um, There used to be a big emphasis on the like Kardashian hourglass figure, like that kind of shape. And then, um, at least, like, in my perspective, I think that social media and, like, in some ways, that body standard has changed, um, kind of, there's been an evolution where, like, body standards have kind of moved away and, like, outside of the male gaze. So I think that that somewhat, that kind of shape and, like, blueprint was made within, like, a male gaze. And then now I see I think like a big style thing um recently and in the past few years has been like early 2000s like Y2K whatever and and um something I talk about a lot with my friends because that's kind of like uh something at my school that's really popular is like low-rise jeans and um those are like not made for every body type and it's like that's a specific style of pants and just like and then that and like small shirts and low-rise jeans and like this one it's kind of like a TikTok style, um, is, like, you, you see it on, like, one specific type of body type, and they're usually, like, thinner, and, um, so I think it's interesting how, like, style trends get kind of exclusive to what bodies they look good on, but I think that can also be said to, like, any trend, and that kind of, but it, like, excludes different kinds of people. Um, I think social media sets very ambitious body standards, whether it be like wherever you are at, whether you are very unathletic, whether you're mildly athletic, whether you're really athletic, I think it always sets standards ahead of where you are, wherever, whatever direction that might be for your goals. Um, I also think it, it sets a direction for those goals, though, that, that, that it sets the positive direction and a negative direction. And, and that might not necessarily be the positive or negative for a certain person, but it's the positive or negative for a society determined by social media, um, which is why I think it can be very detrimental. Um, uh, so like for someone like me, who's, who's like mildly athletic, who's played some sports in their life, it's, it's always set a standard to be very athletic. Um, and it's, it's gotten to me sometimes, I would say, where it's the pressure or or the like one example from my life would be I wrote down three athletic goals for myself at the beginning of high school, and they were very ambitious goals um and I think a lot of it was driven by social media, like maybe like a very cool basketball mixtape from from someone who just graduated or or something like that where it's like, hey, I want to be that guy, I want to have his body be that tall, throw down dunks like he does. Um, and it had a, like, as I wasn't making a lot of progress towards it, it had a, lo- a little bit of a negative effect. I lost maybe a little bit of interest in my sports. Um, so I think that picking out the traps and, and, and setting the right kind of goals, the right direction for you is, is, the, is the best thing. But for social media, I think it sets very ambitious body standards. Um. I think I agree with everything that everyone said, um, but I also think like um, different cultures and different countries have their own 
like what their own version of like um a a body like a body standards I guess there's an overarching typical like what most people in general would consider beautiful but I feel like everybody considers um everybody's perfect body is unique um like my family in Asia really 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 likes like tall people and they always like they like like my darker skin but my mom like she like always says I'm too dark and she would like it if I was like a little lighter or she just tells me to put on sunscreen to stop me from getting darker but you know I just feel like um it varies for everybody and then I feel like people discover new social like body standards new body standards when they're on social media um I guess a little little hard to explain but yeah I think it's different for everybody I think uh like recently one thing I've seen um like as a as a male um there's been like a really big uptick in like this uh and like the prominence of bodybuilding I think on social media um and maybe it's just like the algorithm because I follow a lot of uh, sports accounts I'm, I'm way into sports so maybe it's just the algorithm like kind of like leads me down these ways but um like bodybuilding um has seems to have taken like a much more like mainstream role on my uh especially on my tiktok page but on like instagram as well um than i ever had before um and i just i just think it's interesting because you know, within those communities, there's like an idea of, you know, you want to get like big and, and look super strong. Um, but, you know, you, you, you don't want to take steroids to do it, right? It's like, um, there's this whole problem. Um, and maybe I'll get into it like some other time. Everyone made really good points. Um, I guess because social media is a lot about, I guess, publishing, publicizing people's lives. Um, it often means, I guess, showing your body and your appearance constantly. And that also means constantly, like, exposing yourself to the quote, unquote, ideal body type. Um, I guess, yeah, depending on what type of content you follow and, like, the people like to post. Um, I think I often see people put, like, the pictures where they look or they think they look the best in. Um, it's usually posed um, with like really clear skin, maybe it's edited, I don't know, and maybe their best outfit. Um, I guess a really specific trend I've seen lately and the people I know personally is that they take pictures on their phones with the camera at like the 0.5 lens. And it really makes people look really tall and also like slightly thinner. And I guess that is, it sort of buys into, I guess, beauty standards in that maybe people prefer like taller and like slimmer people um or it could just be because the camera angle looks really cool um so i guess just depending on who you are you're listening to media in the middle presented by connect safely and my digital tattoo tat in the number two a nonprofit organization for additional resources find my digital tattoo on facebook or our website, mydigitaltattoo.org. Now back to Media in the Middle. My next question is, what is the body positivity movement, and what does this look like? Um, I was talking a little bit about this earlier, but I think body, the body positivity movement started as being um, 
like inclusive to all body types and specifically like moving the body standard away from like thin people um and moving into like different body types and like plus size women and it's like generally I think it was initially and like generally is centered around like the female body type but I also think that it's gotten it's evolved to take a lot of different forms where it's like I've I've seen it do kind of like a 180 where it's all of a sudden like people feel like they're being skinny shamed and like that's a term and um I don't know like there's a whole culture around like we want to be inclusive but then it turns into I think like a lot of things on the internet it can just turn into like well we're going to support one thing and that is mutually exclusive to like the opposite of it so um yeah so I think the body and the body positivity movement I think mostly was like manifested itself into fashion and like the fashion world um and like models seen and like um representation and then that kind of trickled down into representation online so I think it was kind of I don't know it started more online made its way to mainstream like media fashion content um and then also you kind of, I don't know, you see it in different niche areas of online culture. I think mostly like style, fashion. Yeah, so from what I've seen, I, I totally agree. It's kind of just like a movement that's focused on the acceptance of every body type. And it's not even like just restricted to like someone who's plus size. It could also just be like any type of body type and also with like different skin tones, genders and like physical abilities too. Um, and it's basically just promoting to, like, love yourself. That's kind of what it is. And without trying to, like, fit into a mold that's, like, already imposed by society and by social media. Um, and even though it's, like, really, like, necessary and I think, like, transformative, it, there's also, like, a couple, like, cons about it because there's also, like, toxic body positivity, which is basically, like, the excess of positivity and it's like kind of like focusing only on the positive parts of your life without like like I don't know how to explain but it's kind of like when you're taught to love yourself by this body positive movement it's like people kind of like figure out how to do that at different pace like Adele I don't know about like a year ago Adele had like disappeared off of social media and, and she lost a ton of weight um, and there was like a like a leaked like paparazzi photo of like Adele and she clearly like lost a lot of weight and people were like, oh, you know, like look at her, you know, she like lost a lot of weight, you know, she looks great. Um, but there's like an idea that, you know, like people like, oh, she looks so much like better than before, um, which is like clearly, you know, they, they're trying to be positive, I think, and, and like appreciate that, you know, she put in all this work, but at the same time, like that does like the reverse effect of kind of like what you want to have, right? Like that's like almost like lowering representation and, and making other people feel like they aren't uh, adequate. Um, so I just think it's interesting that, you know, sometimes like, um, you know, people's bodies, you know, since we're so f- focused on avoiding body image, it's like the first thing we, we think about or like the first thing we comment on. Um, and I just think that, you know, sometimes there's an idea that um, you don't need to tell someone like, oh, you know, whatever, um, you know, you, your arms look like really good in that shirt, you know, you look like really strong, like, you know, sometimes those comments like aren't needed. Um, 
and I think go against the idea of, uh, you know, body positivity. Um, but unfortunately, they've kind of like um, taken a, a front seat in the movement. I think that the body positivity movement also like in its, in its existence has created or initially created this idea that sharing a body type that isn't um, or just like sharing your body type that might not match like mainstream media or whatever is seen is like really rare and really like brave my friend's not gonna make jokes being like if like if, if someone posts a picture of themselves and commenting like oh my god you're so brave for posting this or like um I wish I had your confidence like it's such a backhanded compliment and that totally that like stems from like a totally totally serious thing um that it's like it just sharing your body type if it's different from others I don't think necessarily like it's kind of a hard balance like it doesn't necessarily need to be congratulated because that's saying that you're different and like breaking the norms and and, like recognizing norms um but also in the absence of that you get like only normalization of one body type or like the romanticism of I don't know, like no diversity in body types. Yeah, um, I think everybody summed up what like the body positivity movement was. But actually, Andrew mentioned something about Adele and how a lot of people are really happy that she lost weight. Um, but that reminded me that I actually was watching a video on her. And she actually said that some people were upset with her about losing weight too, because they thought, like, um, she represented, should I say, I don't know, is bigger the right word? Like, um, bigger women, they thought, like, she represented them in the celebrity world. And they felt like now that she lost so much weight, they didn't have, like, the same representation in the celebrity world. And I just thought that was really interesting because um, it's, like, the opposite of the body positivity movement. Um so, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah, so, PJ, I heard that some people were sort of, I guess, guilting um, Adele for maybe she needed to make, like, a change in her life because maybe she felt better about it. But then people were sort of guilting her for doing something that maybe she wanted in her own life, which was, that's not <laughs> very healthy at all. Um yeah, I think everyone summarized, yeah, the body positivity movement very well. Um, it is largely designed to promote acceptance and love for your body, um, even more, I guess, representation. Um, but of course, there's also some cons. Um, it can also be a struggle for some people, and that can add another element of pressure and maybe like trying to view your body in a positive way might be harder for some people. Uh, compared to others and you know sometimes people don't even have the luxury to focus on I guess body image when other things are happening in their life um I also noticed that there's a lot of terms like body liberation or like body neutrality that I've seen like emerging emerging online um and I think that's trying to avoid putting self-worth on like body image um I don't know there's just a lot of different terms um, um, in association with body image and there's like a lot of different movements too 
Uh, my next question is, what do body standards look like for men versus women or just different genders um, in general and online? Um, one thing that like really sticks out to me about it is um, I think like Sophie V mentioned earlier how like the um, female body standard like for a long time was like under the male gaze. Um, and I think it's it's interesting um, I don't think men really ever had uh, that same feeling or, or pressure. I, I, at least from what I can remember, I, I don't remember, you know, like men really ever feeling pressured to uh, change to like appeal to women. Um, like, of course, like there was always that argument of like, oh, dad bought her muscles, but like it always seemed like, um, you know, men had like more freedom in, in how their body could look than uh, women because there wasn't like pressure um, from women for men to uh, look a certain way. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, um, well, recently it's been a little different, but I think that in general, the women beauty standards have been kind of like a lot more regarded and like, like just more enforced almost. Um, but I think there is still a lot of like comparison that guys have to, I think like like a heavyweight like body types and also just like lift uh people who lift a lot of weight and stuff and who are super muscular um but I think it's always been the way where women have like compared themselves a little more than men have um but yeah so I think for women in the past that it's been kind of the beauty standard just to be like kind of curvy and then like sometimes it's like to be super slim and skinny um or a combination of both it kind of depends um and I think that like for like models it's like to be super skinny and like to not eat a lot and have a very restrictive diet and then sometimes it's also to be like kind of very curvy and like yeah it depends I think also um social media and just like I don't know I think that like a positive actually of social media that I've seen like over time is that um while like with the expansion of like personal expression and gender expression and like breaking the gender binary comes a lot of um like mixing of like masculine and feminine style but also like body types and recognizing that um like some people some people's features don't necessarily match their like biological sex and like and and I think that they, it creates a little bit more awareness to that and also just like space for creativity and self-expression and um yeah and and like and space outside of like gender norms um but I also think that that is specific to, like, again, like, niche areas of the internet that isn't true to not even, like, all platforms, I think. Like, that might just be, like, a, I could even say a platform, like, Instagram, TikTok. But, um, but yeah, so I think, I think that there's, like, there's a positive aspect to that where, like, social media, as it grows and, and evolves, there are parts of it that are having really positive conversations about 
um, expression and body image and like self-acceptance. But then there is a totally other side um, that back to what everyone was saying, like there are really specific gender norms and then also like female body type norms that are a product of male gaze and the fact that a lot of content a lot of like um a lot of female characters and like tv show characters movie characters and like models even um are like a product of male design and i think that's kind of why a big trend online this year was like men written by women it was like timothy chalamet in um little women was like a man written by a female director um but I just think that's interesting because it's so few characters and then there are so many that are like whose body standards were actually set for women by men in like mainstream media um yeah I just wanted to add on to what Sophie V was saying like about men setting body standards for women I feel like it's always like been like that even in history because like way like in history I feel like um, how woman looked was super important to her because that was one of the ways she could get married. Um, so, you know, she had to, like, look a certain way or she had to, like, you know, please her husbands or meet his standards so like, he would marry her and she could have, like, a stable life. Obviously now, you know, like, how you look doesn't matter to that extent anymore. But I feel like that just the importance or that... Um, was placed on a woman's look just or on a woman how a woman looked just never like went completely away I think it just like evolved as um like humans like as like we move forward um but it didn't really disappear it just keeps changing I think as time goes on I think also something that is a, like like a theme within um you know, like, female characters created by men is that, um, that the, I'm trying to think, first of all, like, female characters, and I'm not female characters, women on the internet, um, and, like, female bodies are a lot more sexualized, like, publicly, um, and so there's this really, like, pedophilic aspect to female body standards, that stems from like being created by like men in Hollywood, which isn't something I really realized until I like I was talking about this with someone a while ago. Um, but it's just interesting, and especially like on TikTok and just on the internet, like children being on the internet, you see young girls, like younger and younger girls, being sexualized, and especially on TikTok where it's such an open platform, like you see that really openly. And this definitely is not um, like exclusive to women, but I just think it's seen more publicly this way that there's this really, there's this very deep like meaning and like weirdly um, rooted idea to like ideals and female body standards. And then like the body positivity movement is like moving away from that. It's like, you can be, not the size of a child and like not or like a teenager like you can be the size of a a person like a an adult and an adult woman um 
and and you can have like body hair because that's normal and that's like what people have and so it's i think the body positivity movement like with all its intricacies is also just like you need trying to tell the world like you need to accept that women age and like that people age and that people um like people's bodies change past a certain point and that like we need to move that standard of like attractiveness as like you need to change your mindset as you get older and as the people you're looking at get older yeah i think the point about media is i mean just hearing it being talked about now has brought up a lot of examples in my mind um so like one thing i read about was how costumes have changed costume design has changed um like one example i can think of is marvel how marvel superheroes have been uh portrayed in the movies has changed over their like 15 camp 15 year campaign um and one thing i also just learned was that marvel is having one of their first um female directors so their new movie coming out eternals is directed by chloe zhao i think um and typically marvel directors have been pretty pretty male um so I think that that media wise is um, it is improving. Um, I just think it needs to be a little bit more uh, noticed and and made a little bit more clear too. Um, but I do think that there is that that the direction, the way it's trending is is towards more um, fairness because, like it's been said, that that the the females have been under the male gaze like that. It's it's become a lot more independent. Yeah, everyone brought up really good points. I think uh, the main point I got from all of you is that I guess the body standards are they're incredibly interdisciplinary in terms of like different facets of people's identity. Um, so if you brought up like age and also yeah gender um, and culture also like comes into it all. Um, do any of you know any toxic or dangerous trends surrounding body image, diet, etc.? Um, one trend I've kind of seen, I don't think it's really a thing anymore, but there is this thing called like thinspo, I guess, or like that was kind of the category of what it was. And it was mainly women where they would just like post videos or photos that were kind of body body checking, which is kind of when you take a photo and like, see what you kind of look like and show it to the world um in the with the intent of like people comparing themselves to you um and this like kind of sparked a lot of like issues with people who have eating disorders with that um and that was like incredibly unhealthy and like really sad to see because there would be girls like posting videos like showing like how thin their wrists were or like how skinny they were or something like that um, and then the comments would be, like, really sad. They would be, like, oh, I wish I looked like that, like, kind of along the lines of that. Um, so that was, like, one thing that I saw that was, like, really bad. Um, luckily, it's, I don't think, as big as a thing anymore. Um, but stuff like that where people just, like, full-on just do that, even though they know that it's harmful to people. Yeah, I think um, I feel bad because I'm going to, like, misremember this, but um, I remember someone did like a capstone project about how that was like a really big problem on like Tumblr um, about how there were like whole like communities or like uh, boards. To be honest, I, I haven't really used Tumblr, so I'm not totally sure how the, this setup is. But I remember them talking about how like um, there was like a whole thin spot trend, but it got like really dangerous. 
um, where people were, you know, like tracking like really unhealthy amounts of, of calories, like really, really low amounts and how they were like celebrated for it. And they, you know, it ha- made a lot of people develop eating disorders. Um, so I definitely, I, I've heard kind of of that um, as well. Andrew, to build off of that, um, I remember that project as well. And I've heard a lot about this, like, um, and this is kind of something I was talking about, like how much we wanted to talk about eating disorders on this episode but I think that that's just like a huge um a huge like issue online because there's a really big culture around like there's an eating disorder culture and there's like this thing called like they're like pro una websites that are like pro anorexia um and it's like people sharing tips on how to lose weight and like there's just like anything that you could think of as being unhealthy or like any unhealthy conversation is out there and like that's the part of the issue with like the interconnectedness of online um is that like that all of it is out there um but I think that that's like one extreme and I think people think that like that extreme exists and and like and that it doesn't really go beyond that but I think that there are like little just ways like I was thinking about I was actually sorry so I thought of this episode topic because we had this conversation at school um and my friend mentioned to me that there was this one trend on tiktok that was it's like this one picture of it's it's these girls trying to recreate this one picture of kendall jenner where she's in this full black bodysuit it's like a mirror selfie i don't know it's just this it's like kendall jenner is um has a really like unobtainable body and she's really tall and really thin and it's this like one mirror picture and these girls like trying to recreate it and like they look beautiful and, and everything but the, the video is like oh my god I really thought I bodied this I thought about um just forgot to say earlier was like um recently there's been like a lot of uptick in the use of SARMs uh, which are SARMs stands for like selective androgen receptor modulators I think it is um basically they're just like a an alternative to steroids um but like they aren't fda approved um it's not really known like you know what the side effects are or uh kind of what they do um but i've seen like a a lot of people have started like taking them and uh like promoting it on social media right it's like oh you know you don't have to you know take years off your life with steroids you know just use sarms instead and, and you'll get really big and you'll get really strong um but like it's just kind of um, I don't know. I, I guess I would call it toxic, but I don't really know like what the effects are of it yet. Um, so like it, it definitely has the potential to get um, really dangerous. I think it's it's always like really dangerous when, um, you know, people don't know the side effects of, of stuff, but they're like promoting it to everyone as if it's just this like miracle, uh, miracle um, like supplement. Thank you so much for joining this episode of the podcast. It was really great hearing everyone's conversations and thoughts. Um, Media in the Middle, checking out. episode please leave us a review on itunes
Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.